Our Heavenly Father, through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. For a text this morning, I will turn to Epistle of Paul to the Colossians. In the first chapter, I will start reading at the ninth verse, and I will read through the twenty-third. It's Colossians 1.9, reading in Jesus' name. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminent, have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him, I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you that were sometimes sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature, which is under heaven, whether of whether I Paul Sorry, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Amen. This portion here, Paul writes to the Colossians. I guess it it is so, so rich. And I pray that it seems that I have nothing to say, but what this word will speak forth to our hearts. He begins saying that I started reading, For this cause, and it would lead us to look back to see what this cause is. If we look back in the previous verses there in the first part of the chapter, it says in the fourth verse, Since we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and the love which you have for the saints. Then in the 8th verse, it was declared unto them of your love in the Spirit. It was that Paul had heard and it had been brought to him by 
other people who had been in touch with the Colossians, that there was living faith abiding there, and that God had worked that work of repentance in their heart, and they believed. And it was for this cause that since Paul had heard that, it says, they do not cease to pray for them and desire that they might be filled with the knowledge of his will. I think it is something that it is important for us as Christians that we would remember to pray for each other. I find sometimes I have to, I don't even know what the word is, but it seems like my life so often is so overwhelming that I don't find time to even cover the things that I need to ask God that He would help me to deal with or to understand or to look into. And so even to worry about someone else seems to be beyond what I have. And I would hope that each and every one of us that God could work in our hearts so that as it tells in that chapter, we looked into this a little bit in Bible study the other night, of charity. And it says that it looks, seeketh not her own. That we would look and be worried for others. Yes, we pray for ourselves, but that we would have it in our hearts to have care and concern for those who are around us, for people who perhaps have no interest in God, perhaps ones that are seeking, but most importantly for our fellow believers, that God would strengthen them and that they would have these things here even as Paul prays for these people also that they would be filled with the knowledge of his will that our hearts as we walk as Christians there is whether it is our children or our friends or our family We do not know what they are going to face. We do not know what we are going to face tomorrow or the next day or if we will even perhaps have to face anything or whether God will call us home. We do not have that knowledge. But if we have in our hearts that there is the overwhelming overflowing of our hearts is that our desire would be that we would walk according to and in the will of God. I don't think that there is anything as Christians that is a better desire to have. It covers all of it. If we are walking according to the will of God, it is the best place to be. It may not be very comfortable for our flesh. It may not be much fun for our flesh. But I will guarantee, even as he says, 
in the end of that 11th verse, that we would do these things with joyfulness. When we are walking in the will of God, what we are doing then, it brings joy to God. And that is what as Christians is the desire of our heart that God would be glorified. I know each and every one of us as we go along, our flesh is there. It wants to jump in and take the glory. It wants to come in, jump in quickly and take responsibility for anything that is going good. And yet in those situations where it is something that is perhaps beyond our ability to deal with, or in something that we don't want to touch with a ten-foot pole, and yet the Spirit motivates us to go there. It doesn't want to have anything to do with it. And yet, when God makes it work out for good, then our flesh, or mind anyway, quickly wants to take credit for it. It is the battle that we will have till the day we are die. But God knows that. And it is why he has given us this privilege that we could pray for each other. And that it would, no, we would not cease to pray and desire that each and every one of us would be filled with that knowledge of the will of God. And in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, in the beginning of Proverbs, and it says it in a couple of ways in the first part of Proverbs there, but <clears throat> right in the first chapter, it is written that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It also tells us in a couple, <clears throat> few chapters further, I believe it's the eighth chapter, ninth chapter, ninth chapter, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom to understand God. To know more about God. In the previous chapter there it says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Excuse me. Pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. To fear God is to hate those things that God hates. And yet we find them in our flesh. And it is through that revelation of the Spirit that we come to understand how human we are and how contrary to God our nature is. It is that Spirit that gives us a desire to turn away from those things. And, and when we come to understand how much God dislikes them and how much our flesh wants to cling to them we come to realize what a God we have that he can overcome that and work humility in us that we are humbled I believe if we look at those things we see how it is that God produces a heart that he can work with. Pride and arrogancy and evil. That is the thing that God works to bring out that it can be gotten rid of. 
He can produce a humble heart. It is amazing. And it shows us the power that he has. Is that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. What a wonderful desire to have that we could pray those things for those that we walk along with in this world as our brothers and sisters in faith. It is what God desires and that if we can be given a heart that it would be our desire <clears throat> and not only that we would <clears throat> excuse me pray for others to have that but that we walk in such a way that our walk would help him to be that that our walk would in, in be in such a way that we would not be a stumbling block or a detriment to them walking in this way. The amazing thing about all these things is that I don't believe that it needs to be something that we need to, and I will be drastic, but sit down and make a list of these things and decide that, okay, I'm going to work on these things. Well, I'll work on the first two today and on down the list. It doesn't work that way. If that's what we are thinking we're going to do, we are going down a bad road and a dangerous path because we can't produce those. We cannot produce it in ourselves. And and if we're trying to produce it in ourselves, then we will only be a detriment to others around us. But if we simply walk in such a manner that the desire of our heart is that we would be obedient to the will of God. And that the prayer of our heart would be that we could be, have ears or hearts or whatever you want to say, that are attentive to that still small voice, so that that still small voice would ring in our heart and that we could hear it and understand it and even be given the desire from God to listen to it. If if God is so gracious to us to give us hearts that are in that place, these things will come. They will just be the result of a simple walk of faith. A simple walk of obedience to the will of God. Because That's what the Spirit of God produces, even in these natural contrary beings that we are. He can accomplish that. It said, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. It's amazing here. It said that we would... Being fruitful in every good work. And then it would indicate that the most important of those 
the results of working the works of God. And we know that they asked Christ, what is it that we could do that we would work the works of God? And he says, believe on him whom, Jesus says, believe on him whom he has sent, that we would believe on Christ. That is the work that we are to do, is believe on Christ. And that covers so much. But when we do, it produces fruit. And we see the difference between the fruit that man's reasoning would come up with and the fruit that the Spirit of God would come up with. It says, in all patience and long-suffering, those are the fruits of that Spirit of God. And they can be produced in us. When, to me, that is hard to believe at times. And even more amazing is the last two words of that verse. Yes, there is times that I can be patient and long-suffering. And I can even pat myself on the back, perhaps, at times for being that way. But the problem is, it's not very often done with joyfulness. I'm doing it with a little bit of a, perhaps a chip on my shoulder, or perhaps, I don't know what even the right word is. Well, I have to do this, so let's just get it over with, or let's just deal with it. That is not how God works. That is not the way God's Spirit is. It is something that is so different from us that we can't do it on our own. To be patient with somebody else, to be long-suffering with somebody else, when they are being contrary or difficult or doing something that is annoying in our eyes and to do it with joyfulness that comes of God that comes of the spirit of God and we see how those things are so different from so much of what Christianity in the world today would tell us that we are to do if we are to be fruitful Christians. I believe that it is one of the dangers that Satan is so busy bringing in to Christianity is works do's. If you're a Christian, you need to do this. If you're a Christian, you do this. Our job as Christians is to do this. Our walk as Christians is to be obedient to the will of God. And it will produce fruits if we do that. It will produce patience. We could even turn into Galatians and it elaborates on that a little, all these things a little bit. If I can find Galatians. It says the fruit of the Spirit is... Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. 
against such there is no law. If those things are the works that results of what is in our heart, then it is coming from the right spirit because it is coming from the spirit of God because it is something that we cannot produce. And the beauty of that is that when it comes, it will be seen by others. It shows up in the life of a Christian, these things. They are evident because they are so different from how the world works. And they can't fault them. They might be able to belittle them. They might be able to make fun of them, but they cannot fault them because it is of God. And it And the other thing that is good about it is that we cannot take credit for it. We have to give that to God because it is from Him that those things come. Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Then the rest of those verses that I read there, it speaks of what Christ has done. In our circles where most of us grew up in. We have heard it all our lives, and I've heard people say, is that something that is biblical? And it isn't in so many words in the Bible as we often say it. And I've said, well, it is, in my view, the, I suppose, the smallest form or the most encapsulated form that we can put the gospel message and I think it can be dangerous if it is used someplace where someone perhaps does not even begin to understand the fullness of it and yet it is something that is so beautiful and wonderful and I would venture to say that these last dozen verses here so of this that I read they begin to elaborate on that that we so often say. And it is, if I put it this way, we go back to the beginning of the Bible with Adam and Eve and they are in the garden. And we know that they were made sinless. And we find out that the problem that came up that put a wedge between God and them and thereby with us is sin. God knew that from the beginning. Before he made us, he knew that and we have to leave that with him or I do. That he would make something and love it so much that in spite of knowing that it was going to be so contrary that he still made it 
but he made it that that problem of sin that came with Adam and Eve, that it was taken care of. That is the problem, period, between man and God, is sin. And if sin is taken care of in the way that God has laid it out in his word, and we can look from beginning to end, and it is repeated over and over and over again in so many ways, And to me, it is what the essence of the gospel is speaking of, is that sin is taken care of. Christ did it. We can't add to that. We cannot add to what Christ has done. And anything that we would try to add to it only takes away from it. And then if God has worked in a heart that has been brought to that place of repentance... It has been humbled, as I spoke of earlier there, that that pride and human will has been overcome. And that heart has been pointed to that altar of mercy where God is found. That we as Christians have been given that privilege to understand that we are the priests of God. Yes, we are children of God we are brothers and sisters of Christ and it says we are kings and heirs but when we walk here we are also priests and it is our privilege our duty that we would fulfill that royal priesthood and that when we are presented by God with a heart that has been convicted, when we are confronted with a heart that is in that place that it is overwhelmed and undone and knows that it has no ability to stand before a holy and righteous God and has come to the place of what must I do? What must I do to be saved? I believe that that is a prayer that we should have also, that God would be so gracious as to work in hearts, to bring them to that place where that is where they are at. What must I do with this sin that stands between me and God? And we can proclaim that message that they can believe all those things. Here in the 14th verse, it says that we have redemption, that those things can be taken care of. We use many different terms, that they are washed away. God washes them away. He takes care of them. He has done it through Christ. Here it says that we have redemption through His blood even the forgiveness of sins. And that tells us that that is the culmination of what God did. Delivered us from the power of darkness, translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. We are brought into the kingdom of God. How? Through the forgiveness of sins. And we encourage people to believe that message. And if someone is 
completely, I would say, godless or has very little understanding of this word. We would desire that God would give us the words that would touch their hearts, that they could believe that, that that message of faith could take root and God could put it there and it would grow, that they could believe that simple message, that their sins are forgiven. Why? Because the blood of Christ paid for them. It isn't something that our mind understands. Our mind wants to reason fair. That, well, if we do enough on the good side, it will overweigh the stuff on the bad side. And with our human reasoning, we can kind of walk down that road if we put our mind to it and think, well, I better do work at doing good because I know I do bad things. But when God works in our heart, we see that the bad side is so overwhelming that it, it does not matter what I can do. And we are brought to the place where all we can do is be thankful to our God that He doesn't work on fair. He works on grace and mercy and forgiveness. Those things aren't just outweighed by, those bad things are not just outweighed by the good things we do. They are forgiven. They are gone. And we also say, in the name of Christ. Why? As we look through these next verses, just think about it. Think about what it is that Christ has done. It is through Him that all these things are accomplished. It is something that there is power in that name. There is power in that name because it can produce faith. It can produce faith to believe that we are redeemed before God. It says, even the forgiveness of our sins. We see that that is the big and great thing and the big problem and the great... There's so many words that used to describe it of what happened between Adam and Eve and God. But it was sin. And it was something that was unovercomable by them or us or mankind. But he sent Christ to come as one of us. Yes, we know that he was the Son of God. But he was also the son of Mary. And he came and walked perfectly so that he could make payment for us. That his blood would do this. That it would redeem us by forgiving our sins. By covering them so they are gone. We walk each and every day and we see what we are. And I would hope, because I guess so often my mind is in the place, even when I come to this place, it's like I kind of, I don't know how to word it so it comes out properly, but 
I almost want to shake my head and question the wisdom of God that why on earth would he put someone like me to be put in a place like this to share this message. We see what we are. And that is good to a certain degree. Because we would hope that that understanding would also, as Christians, work thankfulness. That we would just simply thank God for what He is able to accomplish in us. In spite of the sinful beings that we just plain are. In spite of all that, He still loves us. And He still takes care of those things and He can still use us to accomplish something that we couldn't. We have no ability to do it without the power of that Spirit. And it speaks of Christ here, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Christ came down and he comes and dwells in us that we would also be reborn in the image of God that we would be like him Christ was the first he was the firstborn that overcame that sin that makes humans I would say dead beings spiritually we were dead without Christ but he came and he was born the firstborn of every creature for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are on earth visible and the invisible whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers all things were created by him and for him everything that we know and see created by Christ and how is that we look at the beginning of the Bible and it says the third verse and God said you know that in the first of John that portion that is so familiar with it says in the word was the beginning and the word was with God and the word was God and the same was in the beginning with God and all things were made by him it says and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and was Christ I don't understand it but by faith I can believe it and that is how it is When God speaks, that is Christ moving. And when God says, let there be, it happens. And it happens through what is accomplished by that word, which is Christ. Now I'll go down a rabbit trail that I don't know if we need to, but it came onto my mind here. I heard a man talking the other day, and it struck me. He was speaking about how these things, and the the main one he was talking about was this transgender thing, how people have decided that 
contrary to what their DNA or biology or even natural reasoning should tell us that this is a male and this is a female, that they can decide and say, well, it doesn't matter that I'm this, I'm going to be, I'll use myself, it doesn't matter that I'm male, I'm going to be a female. And so therefore I am. He said if you look at that, at the essence of it, they are trying to take the place of God and say that we have become gods and have the ability to speak something into being. It's how man's nature is. We want to kick God out of the way and say that we have the power to make these things. We see how it is that man is trying to take the place of God at the very essence. They're trying to replace Christ with us, our own selves. We have the ability to say. I believe that that is one of the reasons that when someone comes to us with sin on their heart and confesses that, we don't say, believe it forgiven. And leave it there. I do not have the ability to forgive anybody or get rid of sin, but Christ does. And yes, He dwells in me, but be sure and make that very clear that it is through the blood of Christ. It isn't any of my doing or your doing or anybody else's doing, it's because of what Christ has done. It is a very simple message. But there is power in it. Because we have been given the ability to proclaim the word of God. We can speak as from God, but we do it in the power of Christ. And it's interesting how many different ways it is said here. I'm going back now, but it says, Who has delivered us from the power of darkness? You know, in John there it tells that he, the light, the light was there, it was Christ. It is that man would go to that, we would desire. The Bible tells us that it is the desire that we would go to darkness and those things that we would do would be hidden because we would go away from the light. He delivers us from that power. What does that mean? It means that those things can no longer be covered up. They are exposed and then something has to be done with them. Thanks be to God that that is, happens. And it is another way of saying what we would hope would happen. That hearts would be touched. That those things would be revealed to them. That they would need to deal with them. And hopefully, and by the grace of God, we would desire that their hearts would have heard that message. That they would have an understanding of where to go with that. They would have an understanding that there is grace to be found where God is found. And that those things could be dealt with right. That the blood of Christ would be applied to them. It is a wonderful thing and says and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. 
that is something that we don't have much understanding of. I don't believe in reality of what was truly accomplished by Christ that we could be taken from darkness to light, that we could become Christians. It says translated. If I am speaking in one language and someone else is sharing that message with someone else in in another language, it is something that is totally different if you listen to it. There's, There's something totally different. We become something that's completely different. And yet, if I'll go a little further with that, it's both words, whether it's English or Spanish or English or Finnish or whatever. It's completely different. And yes, it's all words. When we come into faith, we still have this flesh. We're still human beings. But we've gone from darkness to light. We've gone from death to life. We've become a living being through Christ. And it is the most wonderful thing that could ever happen to someone. Because then it says that we can rest in that. We can trust if, those, if that is taken care of. We simply have to, as Paul prayed for these people, that we could walk with the knowledge of the will of God. And we have this word to turn to. We have Christian fellowship that we are privileged with. We're given Christian friends, family. We have those things. God has done that because he loves us. And it tells us in his word that it is desired that all would be saved. That is what God desires. That every single person would avail themselves of that blood of Christ and believe that that is it. Simply and completely. Yes, the vast majority of the time we don't become Christians and then die and go into heaven. We still have to walk here. And that is the part of it that's we find difficult because our flesh is constantly trying to take the upper hand. And we wish that it would no longer be a battle, but it will be. And it is. And I know for myself, sometimes the devil can bring that thought, well, this is just such an overwhelming battle that you're probably not going to make it. But this word of God tells us that the battle is done. Christ has won it. Just believe that. And all these things, it says they were created by Christ and created for him. I don't understand the fullness of that. I can a little bit understand how it was created by him, but for him? Yes, we know that the church is his bride and that we are made in that way that we are the bride of Christ and we are the body of Christ and we start to begin to see the unity and how it is that even God made that in the beginning 
of that oneness of that marriage. And we as the church are we're, the, we're Christ. I believe now I'm going on to something I hope a, someone will be so gracious as to correct me if they think I'm wrong in this but I have to admit that when someone does not take the name of I'll say something when a woman will not take the name of her husband, it bothers me. Because I believe as a Christian, we are a picture of Christ in the church. And as Christians, we want to be known by His name, not our own. We want to be Christ's. It says here in the fifth chapter of Genesis, this is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created them, man, sorry, in the day that God created man, in the likeness of God created he him. Male and female created he them, and blessed them, and called their name Adam, in the day that they were created. We see that unity that God would desire in us even, but as us with him. We are part of him beyond anything that we can comprehend, but we are. Let us trust that. I believe further down here it says that he is the head. Yes, he is the leader. But if we think of our natural beings, it is our head that does all the leading and guiding. It is through our thoughts that we're able to do things. Or even if we don't think of it, it is through the direction of that, I don't know what you call it, stimulation of our brains, that we're able to do things. If our head's gone, we're done. As Christians, that is what it says, we are the body of Christ. <clears throat> it doesn't say we are the head. It doesn't even tell us that we are certain parts. Paul goes into those things and says that it takes all the parts to make the complete body. We're not to worry about where we are in the body, I don't believe, and we're not to worry about someone else, where they are in the body. And I believe that that is where, when it says that we're not to judge, that's what we're not to judge. We're not to judge because this person isn't walking like I am. They must not be part of the body. Maybe they're not a leg. They might be something else. Maybe they're hearing That is how it is. But Christ is the head. He gives the direction. He is the one that would direct us and point us and instruct us in what we are to do. And he is before all things and by him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. We know, it says, that he descended into hell and was dead. I don't understand it, but it says he was the firstborn from the dead. He was the first that hell and death could not hold because he was perfect. And because he was God, 
And we are given that as Christians so that we are also made alive. He was the first, but then there is the rest. Each and every living soul that there is. Every Christian, we come after him. It says, in all things he might have preeminence. He is first and foremost, and, and the preeminent. I don't know what other word in my mind to cover it. It is the greatest. He is, because it is through him that all this is accomplished, and it is through him that we are anything. We read all these things, and I believe, as I said already, it is explaining to us why we would say, in the name of Christ. I believe it is why we pray to God in the name of Christ. It is because by Him all things are accomplished. When we say that, let us do it in such a manner that we are acknowledging that. It is because of that that we have the ability to come before God. If it wasn't for Christ, we don't have that. We don't even have the ability to approach Him in prayer. It is because Christ is there, making intercession for us. It is because Christ is there between us. Because when he was between us and God, we are seen through his righteousness. And we are acceptable then to God. And it tells us that nobody can take us out of the hand of God. No one can remove us from that place. Because Christ is the one that is keeping us there. It is something that should give us complete confidence. And I believe that that is why the devil works so hard at trying to bring unbelief. Trying to bring questions to our mind. Trying to say, is that really so? Is it? it surely it can't be so simple. You know... You know what you are and you know what a problem sin is and you know how what God is. Surely it cannot be that simple. You must have to do something. No, Christ has done it all. Believe that. Just trust that. It says, For in him the Father that... For... <coughs> excuse me. For it pleased the Father that in Him should all fullness dwell. I don't understand that. But everything is completed in Christ. He is complete. We can trust that. Our salvation is completed. Our walk is completed. Our redemption, our forgiveness. All those things are completed in Christ. Even the love of God comes to us. And we're able to walk with that in our hearts. Through Christ. It is all through Him. And having made peace through the blood of His cross, by Him to reconcile all things unto Himself. There we see it repeated again. It is that blood of the cross 
that accomplished all this, that made it that there was no longer conflict between God and man, or no longer had to be conflict between God and man. That is what God accomplished through Christ, that we could have peace, the peace of a good conscience. It is something that when someone's heart has been weighed down, when our conscience is weighed down by sin, when that light of the Word of God and the Spirit of God shines into our hearts and we see what we are, and it weighs on us. When even as Christians we have fallen into sin, and it weighs on us. And God, through His grace and mercy, puts it there and leads us to that place of repentance, that place of confessing what we have perhaps done. And that message, that simplicity of the gospel message is proclaimed to us that that thing, that sin, that weight, it is forgiven and washed away in the name and blood of Christ. And that is believed. And a heart believes that message. It brings peace that passeth anything that we can understand in our natural mind. It talks about that peace that passeth understanding. And we would desire that everyone could come to know that. What a wonderful place when our hearts are there. That there is peace. Peace with Almighty God. Because Christ has taken care of those things. And we know and trust that. There is no better place to be in this world than at that place. It says, In you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. We see what alienates us with God. It is our wickedness. It is our sin. That's what it is. It is the problem. And it is what we are. Naturally, that's what we are. We are sinners. It doesn't matter who we are, how good we appear to walk here, we are all sinners. And it doesn't matter if we are a Christian, if we're not a Christian, if we have no understanding of God, we're sinners. But we have that privilege of being able to add to that name, if I want, that's not quite the word, but to that title, that we are sinners saved by grace. And that we would hopefully understand those words. That we have, we have come to understand that in spite of being a sinner, we have a God who is so gracious that He has sent His Son. That the mercy that He is also, we can avail ourselves of. We can be partakers of that because of what Christ has done. It is, and I almost feel like a broken record in this text, but it is because of what Christ has done, and and Paul emphasizes it here over and over again. Everything is through Christ. 
says that he has reconciled all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they are things in earth or things in heaven. I can't even understand the fullness of the earthly things, let alone the heaven. I believe that was God. It says, in the body of his flesh, through death, to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. It tells us and gives us a little thing of what we celebrate at Christmas time. Christ came in the flesh. John tells us that. The word became flesh. It's what we repeat over and over again. Jesus became one of us. He took on this human flesh that he could pay for what it has done, what I have done, what you have done, what everyone has done. It says through death. And what was accomplished? It's that we would be holy, unblameable, and unreprovable. Not in the eyes of the world. We know that Christ came and we know that he walked perfectly. He was always in the will of God. He did not sin. And yet man was able to come up with enough that they crucified him. And we understand that it was the will of God. And that is how he worked. And yet those people very much felt that they had reason kill him but he was all these things he was holy unblameable and unreprovable in the eyes of God and in what he did accomplished on the cross and when he was resurrected from the dead he made it possible that we are those things also in the eyes of God, in a completely righteous and holy God who cannot stand sin. We, in spite of what we are, are given that, that Christ is, that in the eyes of God, he, Christ presents us as holy, unblameable, and perfect. There is nothing about us that God would reprove when we are in Christ. Then he adds this. And it is what we share with everyone and we encourage them walk in faith. Continue in faith. Walk by faith. He says if you continue in faith grounded and settled And be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard. When we walk by faith and in faith that Christ is all these things and he is those things for me and for you. When we walk there and that is our foundation. We are grounded in that. That is what we stand on. Says we are not moved away from the hope of the gospel. That gospel message gives us the hope. It gives us that we look forward to that time 
when we see him face to face, it isn't that we are thinking that it might happen. We know it's going to happen, but we are with expectation looking forward to it. Gospel which ye have heard. We hear that message. It says, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven. That is what we are as Christians can do. Whether we are placed in this spot or whether we simply sit and have the opportunity to talk to somebody about what Christ has done for me. When we share that, when we share that gospel message with anyone, that is what we do. We would pray that our walk would share that message and that our words would share that message and that we through Christ would be given hearts that are willing, it says, in season and out of season to share that message. Whether it seems like a good time or a bad time, that when God, through His Spirit, puts it on our heart, that we would share that message. And that our walk would be such that people would be drawn to Christ. And that message would be shared. He says, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Paul was a minister of that gospel, and we know just through history and through this Bible that God used him powerfully. He was, if I would say, an example of a minister that was very evident and very much. But each and every one of us, when we believe that message, and receive that Spirit of God in our hearts. We are a minister of the Gospel. We are given that ability to share that Gospel and to assure people that those things are true. It is a simple message. And I believe that we sometimes maybe break it down too much that If someone has no understanding, they might not understand it. But I pray, and I hope that each of us has that desire in our heart that when the words are necessary, we would be willing to share them and that God will will give them. He will give us those words. And He does. And that we could have hearts as Paul did here, that we would be constantly in prayer for each other, that we would walk in the will of God. It is a wonderful place to be. In Jesus' name, Amen. Shall we bow our and receive the benediction? <clears throat> May the Lord bless thee and keep thee. May the Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Anybody have a song with you? 378. 378.
dead with spiritually that you can't even plumb the depths of it. We thank thee for all these natural blessings. We thank thee for this meal that has been provided for us. Bless those that are involved in that and putting it on. Bless this community and bless each one of us with, with thy word. In Jesus' name. Yeah, they can learn. Yeah. 